welcome to the Ronnie Brunswick Memorial World of CONCACAF podcast. I am Eric Schmitz. And I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Donald Wine. Is it a memorial? Did he die? No, but I think just <laughs> we in advance, we could just dedicate this to him like in perpetuity because I don't know if you guys saw this, but like we got the most CONCACAF, CONCACAF shit possible last week. It's layers. There's lots of layers. Like, <laughs> it's not just him playing, right? It's then afterwards him giving out money in the locker room to the other team, and then both teams getting thrown out of the, out of the tournament. He's the vice president of the country, not just like <laughs> an executive. He's not just like the owner of the team. Like you see, owners want to suit up once in a while for their squads. Like they got the money, they can do that. He is the vice president of the entire nation. This is literally like if Dick Cheney or Joe Biden or Kamala, like if they just decided. This is Kamala, right? Yeah, this is this is Kamala who's decided to uh, to suit up and play. Like it is just like um, or Al Gore. Um, <laughs> I think he could maybe could like maybe could have gotten around the pitch a little bit, but I mean, it's probably it's probably Gore or uh, Kamala are the two that. <laughs> All right, well, I say Kamala still, could probably ball. Like, yeah, don't put it past ball. VP Kamala to, well, to ball. We can have this. We can have this discussion later on, but <laughs> it's not like it was a Sunday league game. This is the Concacaf league. This is like this is the second biggest club competition in the region. It's not fourth division local kick around. They ran out of bodies. The dude wanted glory. Yeah, and he got it. He did. Oh, <laughs> he got all of it. Um, and then I guess the everything. owner of the owner, I mean, continuing the CONCACAF of um, high ranking people that want to play, but the guy in New Amsterdam who basically Jermaine Jones got fired because he wouldn't start the owner and goalkeeper and goal. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's it, like, it wasn't even, he ahead. wasn't even started. Like it wasn't even that, right? Like Jermaine Jones wasn't even the head coach. He was the assistant. And he he disagreed with the owner and saying that he should even play at all, but he didn't have final say. And he still didn't, he still got fired or let go or, or, or quit because the owner was insistent on, uh, on playing. And he played last night as we record on Thursday, September 30th and my Detroit city beat the brakes off of him. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. tore him demolished them the, the highlights were good but i don't want to get too caught up in fourth division american soccer uh don't be an owner shenanigans in play well, you'll get you'll get you'll get rocked don't listen. be an owner don't be a don't be a, a state official um, guys 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 we got to focus we have hockey <laughs> calf world cup qualifying to talk about you're right you're right let's do it yeah and if you guys would have noticed by looking at this podcast when you clicked on it uh this isn't a typical podcast. We're not going to do our CONCACAF laser focus. We're not going to bring you to one of our CONCACAF member nations and take you in a deep dive. We're not doing any of that. We're just going to talk purely about the October World Cup qualifying window. Um, so first off, let's get back to where we were. Uh, Donald, can you remind us how everything's looking right now in the standings? Yeah, so if everyone remembers, in September, uh, we had three matches, and we will have three more coming up in October. But before we get into that, let's take a look at how the standings look right now. First place right now is Mexico with seven points. They have a plus-two goal differential. They won two matches and drew one in September. Canada and the United States both have five points. Both have won a game. Both have two draws. Both have scored five goals and both have only allowed two goals for a plus three goal differential. The only reason Canada is listed in second place is alphabetical order. That's, that's the only reason that they are in second place in this standings. U.S. is in third. But for all intents and purposes, these two are literally tied in every statistical category other than the alphabet. Personally, I think we got hosed other, on that one. The other head-to-head right? head was, I mean, the other tiebreakers head-to-head, and they literally drew each other. And they literally drew each other, <laughs> scoring the same amount of goals. Everything is everything is a watch for those, but they're the two and three teams in CONCACAF right now. Panama is fourth. They also have five points, but they have a plus three goal differential. They are fourth by goals scored. They have only scored four goals to the United States and Canada's five, which is why they are in fourth place. Still right now in the position of the interconfederational playoff. Fifth place, 
Costa Rica with two points. They only had uh, two draws and a loss. Uh, they have a minus one goal differential. The Honduras and El Salvador also have two points, two draws and a loss. Both of them have minus three goal differentials. El Salvador is below Honduras in seventh place by goals scored. They have not scored a goal yet in World Cup qualifying. They had two scoreless draws, and then they lost to Canada 3-0 in the final match day uh, of the September window. And then finally, a team that we were very excited to see play, uh, but obviously had some issues with COVID getting their players in is Jamaica. They only have one point. They had the one draw in September. They have a minus four goal differential. And really, this is going to be a very important window for Jamaica to get back into the swing of things. Okay. Thank you for the update, Donald. Um, still early on in the process. We're only through three matches of the final round of qualifying. Uh, before we get to what lies ahead here in October, let's talk about the squads. Um, as we record on Thursday the 30th, we have six of the eight teams who have announced squads. Uh, Honduras and Canada have already announced they're going to be dropping their rosters on Friday, October 1st. Uh, so we don't have those quite yet, but we'll go through the rest of these in order of FIFA rankings. So we'll give you an update of where everyone's sitting in the FIFA rankings. So first with ninth ranked Mexico, who was re retained their ninth spot in the latest FIFA rankings. Um, looks like they called in four goalkeepers. Uh, I think the big headline is Raul Jimenez has been added to the roster. Obviously he's been out uh, for he was out for a significant period of time with that uh, intensive head injury. Um, Herving Lozano in the squad, uh, expecting Rogelio Funes Mori to be the number nine. Uh, guys, do you have any thoughts on this Mexico roster? No, I mean, it, it's about what I thought it would be. I mean, I think we saw that Raul Jimenez missed out last time, I think, in large part um, to the red list issue with Mexico being a red list um country however um as of um this evening at like i mean at 4 p.m today there's actually been a relaxation of the uk red list uh restrictions for players that are double vaccinated um so they're only gonna have they'll have a shorter quarantine and we'll still, but they'll be able to train um it says it'll be similar to that experience by Olympic athletes in Tokyo this summer. So uh, they'll be able, they'll be allowed to train playing matches the day they return. Yeah. Yeah. That is the, that was what I saw from that in Raul Jimenez in that uh, Mexico, once again, has two, they have two home matches this window and Mexico, at least at one point or still maybe on the red list for the UK, but the relaxation of that means if he's double vaccinated, then he would be able to still, possibly play and then come back and be able to train with uh, his club team until he uh, gets out of that quarantine, but it's not the full 10 days, which is what uh, has really prompted a lot of uh, uncertainty with, with some of these rosters and how big they are. Yeah. The other thing to note is I know there's been a lot of dual national talk for months and years about guys choosing between the United States and Mexico. I don't see any names, any of those guys that chose Mexico sucks guess that's a decision you guys made um the other thing i do want to note speaking of matches i don't know if you guys saw it apparently mexico is playing ecuador and charlotte on october 27th just some random wednesday friendly i don't know why u.s soccer continues to let them play games here but i don't know why they want to play that game literally between the two windows like in the middle of two windows well um, i get tata martino weird. had like a press conference talking about it, you know, like get hype up for the game. And it sounds like they're going to bring mostly Liga MX guys. Um, we'll see what, I don't know what that's going to do for them, but they must uh, be hurting for cash. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be their, why they play their games here. It could be their version of a January camp type of deal. Uh, and that's fine. It just seems like in between the windows that they're going to have, especially these two important windows, it seems kind of interesting that they would do it then as opposed to waiting until, you know, December when they have a couple of months between windows where they can kind of, you know, tinker with lineups and, and bring in guys for evaluation. I mean, also could be trying to game the FIFA rankings, you know, trying to pick up a few 
extra points. I mean, they're sitting Absolutely. in ninth right now. You're not far away from getting seated. But speaking of another team that's fighting to get seated and is not doing a very good job of late, uh, the 13th-ranked United States of America, uh, they actually dropped three points in the FIFA rankings after their disappointing September. Um, Solid, but fine. Could it was fine. I think fine is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, I think that. I think that. I think fine is a is B minus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd go C plus. See, I wouldn't because they're in second place, and that's where you, you want to be in first or second after the window. Uh, I mean, they're they're in a spot right now, which I guess is all mm-hmm. that matters. Doesn't matter if you win, you finish first or third. You got to finish first, second, or third. That's all that really matters. Right. But anyways. Uh, Greg Berhalter announced the roster on uh, Wednesday, the 29th. Uh, so we have our U.S. squad for these October matches. Uh, notable admissions, uh, Christian Pulisic, uh, who has been still struggling with injuries. Uh, Giovanni Reina, also hurt. Um, any other surprises for you in this roster? It looks like Ricardo Pepe has really solidified his spot as the number nine after his performance in Honduras. All right. I, I was just going to say, I think that, you know, we still uh, there's been some reports that we may still see Pulisic um, come in for that third game. Um, I think it was I want to say it was I don't know if it was Paul Tenorio or someone or someone else, but that there's been that that discussion. But I think I mean, probably the surprises for me, Donald and I were talking before we started recording um, Jordan Pifak, just because I mean, you have a guy that's um, scored nine goals. To, in all competitions since the start, since August, the start of the season. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, there's not really with the injuries that are out there. I don't have a lot of complaints. I know that everyone has a few guys that they would have liked to seen. Um, but uh, I think probably the other big thing that Berhalter did call out in his press conference was that um, there's no Julian Araujo. And he said that, that, that like any communication around why or why not, that is going to have to come from, from Araujo. He gone. Yeah, basically. But I mean, honestly, the, the one catch for me here is Weston McKinney's back in the lineup. There's some people who, for inexplicable reasons, said that they, that, you know, were saying in September that he should not be called into this window. That's absolutely stupid. Uh, but he's back in this lineup. Obviously, everything that happened in September with the violation of team protocols is water under the bridge, lesson learned, you know, all the, you know, cliches you want to say. And he's back in the fold, which is going to be very important because also joining him uh, is Eunice Musa, who is back from injury. Tyler Adams, who had a couple of knocks between the windows. He's in there. So we still could have a very solid midfield. Yeah, no, I mean, having getting Musa back in the fold is huge. I think his presence was kind of missed um, in the last window uh, at good. Good news for Gianluca Busio and Luca De La Torre who are finally going to get their chance to uh, get into World Cup qualifying. I do think that they're going to make an impact. Uh, For me, I think the thing that I don't think enough people are talking about is he only called in, was it 26 guys? Or is Uh, it 27? 27 guys. There's four or five guys sitting on yellow cards. And with the current rules of World Cup qualifying, two yellows is a suspension. So if you have a couple guys pick up yellows in this first match, like all of a sudden you're shorthanded. And with the uncertainty as to who might be able to travel to Panama for that second game, I mean, you're, you could be going down there with less than 23. So I think the issue with that, is, I don't think it's as big an issue as we make it out to be only because he still has the opportunity to call in guys throughout the camp. And like you said, Christian Pulisic could be called in uh, if he, if they think he's fit enough to come for that match. Honestly, there could be some shuffling around at this lineup. If we perform well in the first two matches, if we get two wins on the road, maybe he sends some of these people with yellow cards back to say, Hey, look, you know, we'll take care of this. We'll take care of this third game without you and call in some other guys. So I feel like when people are upset that their guy or their guys didn't make the roster, it's just this initial roster. We could see them at some point in the window if things go one way or the other. Yeah. I'm just, for me, it, if you know that you might use them, like clubs are supposed to release guys. Like you can have them integrated with the group 
calling having a guy fly in after the first game to play in the second game probably isn't the most ideal. You'd want him practicing with the team for a couple days, especially since you know you haven't played with these guys in at least a month. Some of these guys haven't been in since the Gold Cup. It's just easier. I feel like it might be easier to integrate, but I mean, Greg Berhalter is paid to be a coach who makes these decisions, and I'm just some asshole with a podcast. So you know, <laughs> it's your mileage may vary. You are on that you are one. not that's an a, asshole. That's a new that's a new a tagline. Um, <laughs> Eric Schmidt's some asshole with a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, honestly, I think it's the also, headline of my obituary. Yeah, and also just to just to put a bow in this, I also think. Greg probably is looking at saying 27 guys is enough for him to manage. And I know some people, we were talking about this uh, the other day when the roster dropped, but if everyone had their people and we'd have 70 people in a camp and that's unmanageable. And even if we had some of these people who were on the fringe that could have made it, or, or some people say should have made it, we still would have been at 35, 36 guys. And maybe Greg says, yo, 35 is not, it's not a way to integrate anybody because there's just too many guys to, be able to evaluate and figure out and, and take a look at maybe 27 is what he thinks is the biggest group that he can bring that he can manage. Yeah. I mean, after that September window, when you had all those injuries, I mean, you weren't expecting to lose a guy to COVID. You weren't expecting to have to kick a guy out of camp. You had a couple guys go down. Now you've got the yellow card thing hanging over your head as well. It just seems odd to me that they wouldn't go up to 29 or 30. Like it's, you can fight over who you think deserve to get called in or what positions you might want some more backup, but just, I don't know. We're Americans. We're really good at at debating that. We're really good at that. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Moving on. That's the United States. Next is Costa Rica, who in the FIFA rankings sitting 44th for the second month in a row. Uh, Before Jonathan gets his chance to talk about Randall Leal, um, do want to point out Kaylor Navas, PSG keeper in the lineup. Um, again, again, um, expecting Joel Campbell to be the guy up front for, um, uh, Jonathan, you want to get your, uh, Nashville love out of the way? No, I actually, I just, every time I look at this, um, Costa Rica roster, I'm just reminded like how old some of these guys are like Venegas Ruiz, um, Vargas, Kendall Watson, like I, I just, I still, I feel like this is a team that Joel Campbell, I still feel this is a team that needs some refreshing. I don't know. Now I don't know what the youth system's like coming at for the Ticos, but I just, every time I look at this roster, I keep thinking, man, I've been watching these players for what feels like well over a decade. It's funny to me because it's, I'm looking at uh, Jose Guillermo Ortiz, and I remember when he was with DC United, and that was four years ago. So uh, he was not a spring chicken then, and he's still, you know, flirting with the fringe of this roster. He makes it this time, uh, but he's been on and off the roster the last couple of years. I think it really is just coming down to Costa Rica realizes that their best chance of making the World Cup is with the guys that are the veterans because the youth is not ready to perform at the level required. So uh, it's a real big challenge for them because I don't think their player pool is very deep. And, you know, everything that Eric just talked about with the yellow cards and injuries and stuff like that, that's going to really bite them in the butt if if this happens to them this window. Because like unlike previous uh, cycles, they don't have as big, uh, big a, a player pool to kind of rely on. Yeah, so last swing at it for an older older aging group uh, for Costa Rica. Um, We'll talk more about them in a bit. Uh, Next up, Canada actually moved up to 51st in the FIFA rankings, moving up eight spots from 59. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, their roster is getting announced Friday the 1st, so no feedback there. We're expecting their full cast uh, to be there. I don't believe they have any major injury concerns. I mean, as long as Alfonso Davies is on the field for them, I think they're in good shape. Um, so. yeah, John, and Jonathan David's been playing for Lille. Um, I mean, I, I don't think they have any big injury concerns coming into uh, to this game. Yeah, so probably looking at another good window for Canada, sitting in second in the standings. Uh, next up, Jamaica, ranked 59th in the world. Again, they had a really rough September. They're sitting last in the Ocho right now. Uh, 59th in the world, down nine spots from 50. 
Uh, it looks like they got their full complement of UK guys that they missed for the last window. Um, Mikel Antonio, Andre Gray um, up front. Uh, I mean, they're deep. They got Andre Blake in goal, who's arguably one of the top keepers in CONCACAF. I don't think I'm talking out of school for saying that. Um, your thoughts on Jamaica, Donald? Uh, I think this makes uh, the game against the United States on October 7th very intriguing because, like you said, they got their their big guys in from, from England, including Mikel Antonio, who has been lighting it up as of late. Uh, even today in Europa League was just, you know, just destroying everybody. So uh, I think that's the important question now is how do they – how do they integrate as a team? If, do they have the time to mesh well as a team and, and really get the points that they need to climb back into this thing? Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing for me with Jamaica's roster is just like the diverse nature of like the levels that these guys are playing at. Like there's a handful of guys who are playing premier league and championship. A lot of MLS guys. There's also guys who are playing second division in the U S um, Third string keeper Dennis Taylor is at something called Humble Lion FC. Uh, As is his boy Jovan Watson. Yeah, I mean, it must be the powerhouse. We haven't gotten to that uh, episode yet. For, uh, um, real team, fake team. But Jonathan, you got something? Yeah, I mean, I think the big omission here is um, Leon Bailey, who's missing um, through injury. I know he got he came off the bench um, in Villa's big win the other day, and then was subsequently injured. Um, and I think it's just being held out uh, from a concern of re-aggravating that. So, I mean, I think that he's the big missing piece for this team, but I mean, you can't go into another window, um, and pull off, uh, just a single win or I mean a single point. I mean, this is a team that we've talked about and, you know, has a lot of promise and there's a lot of guys here that have a lot, like, there's just a lot of talent here. And they have to find a way to get this team working together. I think, you know, the relaxation of any of the red list stuff will definitely help them, but they're just, there's too many good individuals on this team um, to be sitting bottom of the pile. Yeah. And I think the red list, I don't think there's any debate that it hurt them the most um, in that September window. So they're really playing from behind uh, here. So, I mean, there's nine points on the table for everybody. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, next up, we've got Honduras. Honduras uh, sticking at number 63 in the world in the latest FIFA rankings. Uh, their roster is getting announced Friday the 1st. We do not have that yet. Uh, I don't believe we have any thoughts on Honduras. Uh, we will see if they can make it through a home match without having fans throw shit at their own players. Um I will note that they also got charged by FIFA for uh, use of a homophobic chant. Um, I think it's not the one that you that you were used to. It's another one that is also quite familiar in Central American circles. Uh, I I don't think I really heard it in large scale when we were down there, but they have been charged with uh, with uh, that un- inappropriate conduct for that match, and they're and Concacaf is investigating. Yeah. I did see that they're planning 50% capacity for their home matches because I believe they have two of them uh, this window. So big window for Honduras. Next up, El Salvador. Uh, Hugo Perez's squad uh, dropping one spot to 65th uh, in the FIFA rankings. They actually, I mean, they arguably had a decent first window. Um, Looks like the same cast of characters. Uh, Eric Zavaleta is going to be the one anchoring the defense. Um, Alex Roldan, who's having a really good season with Seattle Sounders. Uh, he is back in the squad. Do we have any thoughts on La Selecta? I mean, I don't have any additional thoughts um, from, you know, this roster going into the last one. I think that's a team that, that works really well as a unit. Uh, and Hugo Perez has done a great job of, of putting the squad together and getting them um, playing together. So, I mean, I think they definitely have a good opportunity uh, to pick up some more points. And, and I 
think they're going to be one of those teams that is going to be enjoyable to watch because I just, I like the style that they play. One of the things for me is they're going to uh, – they haven't scored a goal yet in qualifying, but it's not for lack of effort. Uh, we see these guys are, are putting the work in, and I think the momentum that they need is just to put one in the net, and once that happens, maybe that's the thing that turns them around. Yeah, for sure. Um, net, finally, we've got uh, Panama. Panama sitting at 68th in the FIFA rankings, uh, moving up six spots from 74. Um, I mean, they're a squad that's not very deep. Uh, they've got their MLS guys. Uh, I'm sure Jonathan's going to shout out Annabal Godoy. Um, Donald, do you have any other thoughts on Panama? Not really. It'll be interesting to see how they play because, uh, as we know, they played Mexico very well at home last window. The United States goes down there on October 10th. I know we'll talk about some of these matchups in a second, but uh, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see how they kind of do that in the middle of the window because, like you said, I don't think they're very deep, and that may be troublesome for them as they try to find a way to keep guys fresh during these three games. Yeah, I mean, they had that big win against uh, Jamaica in the last uh, round of qualifiers. So, I mean, I think they're sitting in a good spot. And, you know, they went up went up early um, against Mexico before conceding a, a, a later goal. So I think that um, it's definitely something to keep an eye on for just the age of this team and how they're able to rotate through. Because um, this is definitely, one, like Donald said, one of the smaller squads um, that's been called up. So, I mean, there's a lot of people to, you know, minutes to manage with this team yeah and it's a very tough window for them um we talked about how el salvador is well organized then they got the u.s who is deep and can rotate and then they go face canada um tough sledding for them but speaking of the window let's kind of go over the schedule here um just a quick refresher so with the 14 matches in the ocho this round, final round of CONCACAF qualifying. Uh, there was three matches in September. There will be three match days here in October, followed by two in November. And then January and March of 2022 will be three each to wrap up this final round. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you walk us through the match days here in October of 2021? All right. So the first match day is October is Thursday, October 7th. Uh, and so those games, we have United States versus Jamaica at Q2 Stadium in Austin, uh, Honduras v. Costa Rica um, at the Estadio Olimpico Metropolitano in San Pedro Sula, Mexico versus Canada um, at the Azteca, and then El Salvador uh, versus Panama at the Estadio Cascutalan uh, in San Salvador. Um, thoughts on this, uh, on this first window or this first match day? I mean, I feel like the game to watch is Mexico Canada. Like that this is like the real first true test for Canada. Uh say what you want about the matchup uh back in September here in Nashville against the US. That environment was good. I mean, the US is a good team, but to survive in CONCACAF, you Mexico is really the bar. Way to at the Azteca I mean, you're really going to find out what Canada's got with this game. Yeah, I agree. And also when it comes to that, if you recall, Mexico initially in their uh, match band that they were handed down by FIFA, this would have been the second of the two games uh, that would have been played behind closed doors. They, they get it rescinded, and it's only down to one game. They did that against Jamaica. So now this will have fans, and that obviously is a big, big boost to Mexico's chances. Uh, but like you said, Eric, like if Canada wins that, that'll be the the win of the round uh, if they can get past Mexico at Azteca. It's a really tall task. Yeah, I know. For me, I think had Jamaica performed better in the last window, I'd be looking at that U.S. versus Jamaica game as being, um, you know, my match of the my match of the match day. Um, but I think the Mexico versus Canada, seeing Canada really have to go into a hostile environment. Um, like you guys have said, it's going to be really interesting. Um, but I, Mo- go, I go do ahead. want to touch on one more thing, though, that United States should make a game. Jamaica, we all talked about, they've got the, that top-end talent 
to really threaten the top teams in CONCACAF. Man, if they can go get a result against the U.S. and the U.S. is through two home games, doesn't have a win, like, it's kind of panic mode. Like, all this vibes are okay after that September window because they were able to steal that win in Honduras. But the U.S., you got to win your home games. And if you don't win your first two against two of the teams you assumed you were going to be able to beat, yikes. Yeah, I, I will say, too, I'm excited. Um, I will not be able to make the match, but I do get to watch um, the kickoff is late enough with the Mexico game that I'm going to be able to catch both the U.S. game and the Mexico game, so Mexico-Canada game. So um, an opportunity to catch both of those. But moving on to match day five. So we have Jamaica versus Canada at the office in Kingston, uh, Costa Rica versus El Salvador in Estadio Nacional in San Jose. Uh, Mexico versus Honduras at the Azteca, and then uh, Panama versus the United States um, at Estadio Romano Fernandez in Panama City. So for me, the game to watch, and I know we can't watch it in Panama, is Jamaica versus Canada. Why? Because to this point, Jamaica has not had fans at their game. They applied for an exemption from the government restrictions to have a, you know 5,000, I want to say, fans at this match it has still not been approved they still have you know nine days to get it done if they do for those of us traveling to jamaica in november the united states the american fans it serves as a, a beacon of hope but if not that also can be a big blow to jamaica because their fans can obviously affect the game and the office is one of the you know more, more not necessarily intimidating place to play but definitely one of the more difficult places to play with fans so uh, I'm looking to see if Jamaica does allow fans into that match, because if they do, Jamaica has a, a nice boost. If they don't, Canada can use that to their advantage. Yeah. I mean, for me, the game I'm kind of interested, I think it has the most impact. is going to be that Costa Rica-El Salvador game. Because if one of those teams gets three points, they're kind of in the mix. They're hanging around. It's, you're going to start seeing, especially with so many matches and only three of the eight teams getting in by the end of the October window, you're probably going to have two, one, maybe two, maybe three teams who are like pretty much out of it because they're so far behind. Um, so that's huge for Costa Rica and El Salvador to be able to steal points there. Yeah. I think that it's going to be like, I, like you said, there's going to be probably after the end of this window, cause that's going to be six matches. So we're going to be almost, through the halfway point, there'll be one or two teams that that are completely out of it, and it'll be from there. It'll be interesting to see how they manage. Um, if it's a situation, if if it's a team like say a Costa Rica or a Panama, do they then take that time? If they're so far behind, do they start giving time uh, to some of their younger players to give them that experience, looking forward um, to the next round of World Cup club qualifying, which will be here much quicker than than we think it is. Yeah, I do also want to point out Panama hosting the United States. Donald and I will be on site uh, for Podka Cafe away. Uh, so we'll hopefully have some content for you there. Really excited to get back to Panama City. One of my favorite trips I've ever taken was going down there in 2017. Looking forward to crushing some delicious Domino's pizza <laughs> and uh, getting back to Ramel Fernandez. It's a great place to see a game. Moving on to, mat to match day six to ratch up, mat wrap up the match day. Um, so we have United States versus Costa Rica at lower.com field in Columbus, uh, Canada v. Panama at BMO field, Honduras v. Jamaica at um, Estadio Olimpico, and then El Salvador versus Mexico at the Estadio Casputalan. I think for me, this is an intriguing uh matchup i think you know obviously you would look at usa costa rica because those are two of the three traditional powers in Concacaf. but again i think i look at canada versus panama uh because again canada it's three points that you would think that if they're the third best team in Concacaf, that they should win but panama is probably going to throw all their nuts and bolts at this game to see if they can pull off an upset on the road because if they do like you mentioned they're still right in the thick of things in uh, qualification. So I'm looking at that match as a, as a very intriguing one. Uh, something we referenced earlier, and I think that Canada Panama game is one of them 
and the U.S. Costa Rica game is the other. These squads who are not necessarily deep, that third match of the window, they could be in rough shape, whether that be age, catching up to you, not being able to run out your best 11 for all three games, uh, yellow card accumulation, which is going to be a thing by the time we get to the end of this window. Like Canada and the United States, the United States more so than Canada, but Canada has a deep squad. They'll be able to run. I don't know if Panama and Costa Rica will be able to keep up. You almost saw that last window, especially the U.S. game in Honduras, where the second half, the the wheels kind of fell off for Honduras. You wonder if you're going to see that from teams like Costa Rica and Panama moving forward. Yeah, I agree. The other thing I want to keep an eye on is that Honduras-Jamaica game is where's Jamaica at? Have they, have they, if they've picked up, say they've, you know, picked up a draw against the U S um, a draw against Canada, they're going to come into that Honduras game knowing that if they can get a, get a win um, in Honduras, they, they come out of this window um, looking really good. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a real shame. I feel like they could really do with a, a home game in this window against a better team. I mean, a, a lesser team, because when you're only home game, um, is against Canada. It it makes it really tough because I know we we talk about this a lot. Is you know draw on the road when your home games, and that's a pathway to getting into the uh, getting into the World Cup. But I think that they're gonna have to go out for that. Um, actually, probably regardless um, against Honduras. Yeah. I also wonder if any of the books have odds on how many minutes into the game the fireworks will be going off at Cuscatlan for that El Salvador Mexico game. Uh, 20 minutes. They saw it work against the U.S. Might as well just keep it rolling, you know? I just want to know, like, what's the odds on, like, how many ladders we see? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Just the magic of World Cup qualifying. It's so good to have it back. Um, Now, we wanted to do this podcast. We definitely had to get an episode out before this round of qualifiers because like this is what we do this is like this is the meat of why we have this podcast is the international windows um we're not doing a typical one but we do want to give you some interaction here so we put out the call on social media for postcards to the pod so we got some good response so we're going to talk talk about some of the questions you guys submitted um all right. I do want to we'll preface get... something. I do want to preface something. We got some really good questions that yeah. required a lot of thought. Um, so I think there's some going to be some questions that we we took this episode that we're going to have to come back to because I know none of us had the time to prep for this. But um, yeah, there was. What some, you're saying some is really... we didn't want to think. Yeah, we didn't want to think <laughs> yeah. tonight. Yeah, I think it's been it's been a long day for us all. Yeah, it's been a long week. I still got to figure out a bunch of stuff for trips next week. We're, we're punting lows until we can put some thought into some of these really good questions. Uh, not saying that the rest of these aren't good too, but we'll, we'll get through this. The other ones All required right. research. Yeah. I don't want to research. Right. I just want to, you know, talk, banter, you know, such things. Uh, all right. First up, we're going to Elliot Barr, uh, who is at Yogi McLovin on Twitter. That was a good question. Uh, how many points do Jamaica need to say, stay safe and qualifying? And if they don't do it this round, who should we bring in to coach the team? Uh, Donald, you want to lead off on this one? Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. And thanks, thanks to my, my boy Eve for the question. Uh, Jamaica is in trouble because if they don't get, you know, six points, they might be in a predicament where they're not really into it and it all depends on what you know where those six come from right like if they lose to the united states uh then possibly or they lose to canada then possibly but five is okay six is probably six or seven is probably where they need to be there i don't think they're going to get nine uh, i think that's a tall order but the fact is they only have one point uh, third place right now has five points and they need to be able to get more than them. But the good thing for them is they face two of those teams in Canada and the United States. So they have a chance to directly affect their jump in the standings. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think six is, is the number. And I think that we've talked a lot 
I keep going back to this. This is a really good uh, Jamaica team. However, some of their best players, like Mikel Antonio, they they may have just gotten him into the Jamaica setup, but this is pro- this is his probably his only chance to qualify for the World Cup at, at 31 years old. So I think that yeah, they got to get six points or a lot of these t- a lot of these guys that they've spent time recruiting. Um, it's going to be for not. Now, stay safe in qualifying. I think they might be out of it, but as far as like the coaching thing, I don't know if the coach is the issue here. I think they are a victim of the circumstances. They're a victim of COVID. They're a victim of the red list. And mm-hmm. as we'll see as the rest of this final round goes, like they have 11 more matches to play. You might see something hopeful moving forward. I think they're just so far behind the eight ball. I don't know if there's anything they can do outside of grabbing six or seven points this window and all of a sudden being in the mix. Like you still got to play everybody. I'm free. Like I can, uh, I can coach. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't need to coach. You could just send me some of like the training gear and like some apparel. So it looks like I coach. Look, I'll say this. I, I, I don't plan on going back into an office soon, but I will definitely go to the office. <laughs> I will definitely do that. So uh, the, the pod is ready. The pod, the pod volunteers as tribute. We got to relax the COVID things, though. I mean, obviously, be safe. But this whole, like, you know, not leaving your hotel thing, we, we have to leave to train. So we're, gonna, we're just going to make that happen. Yeah. At JFF, we got volunteers. Uh, so, so thanks Elliot for the question. Uh, next up, we've got a question from Donald Hall. Uh, why do the U S great name, by the way, great name, (laughs) Donald, Donald agrees. Uh, why do the U S have players that can play well in a top five league, but struggle when they play for the U S men's national team, Jonathan, you want to lead off here? Yeah, I, uh, I, Donald's exact words were, but suck when they play for the U.S. men's <laughs> national team. But I, we, I just like, don't clean that up. Like, this, not like this is a, <laughs> this isn't the clean version of the podcast. We're not bleeping. <laughs> this isn't the radio edit. No, I think that, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that, like, we have, it's tra- like, I think travel is a big thing. I mean, you have guys coming over from, from Europe. I mean, that, that travel over just to the United States um, is pretty arduous. And then you throw in the fact that then there's a lot of travel in between windows, but I think it's just, it's a different style of, of soccer in, in CONCACAF and qualifying. It's a lot more compact. Um, There's not as much of an opportunity um, to play a little more of that free flowing style. And I just think it's, it's just a little more difficult and a little more physical. And I don't think it's any knock. I think we see that with a lot of players when they come into a national team setup they struggle because they're not used to the system. They only see these guys several weeks out of the year and they just don't get a, a, a chance to get in the rhythm. The simple, the simple answer is this because CONCACAF is the greatest confederation in the world. That's the simple answer. The, the, the slightly longer answer is in addition to what Jonathan said, you, I mean, Tyler Adams talked about it too, where he talked about uh, before the last window, some of these places don't have the most pristine conditions that these guys are used to in Europe. I mean, in Europe, if the grass is not like, you know, one eighth inch tall, like people riot and they burn the grass down and they like, they, they ban you from the stadium until they have to put the grass in that's up to the standards of European, European football. But that's not necessarily the case here. We have tall grass, we have short grass, we have other, you know, gamesmanship tactics that are done with the, uh, with the facilities uh, you know, they're in, they're in older stadiums that are less kept and, and, you know, they feel the passion in the locker room. Like they don't, in some of these modern stadiums in Europe, they don't have to hear it uh, from the fans until they get out onto the field. But I mean, you'll have, you know, lampposts, you know, shaking from the, from the roof above them and feel like their, their whole locker room is going to collapse because everyone's jumping up in the stadium. So those are sort of the things that you just, you read about and you see it, but you can't actually feel it until you're there. And I think that's kind of why, because remember a lot of these young guys, it's their first time experiencing it. So they're going to have some of these struggles. Yeah. See now, personally, I think the question is a little disingenuous because just throwing out the term top five league is garbage. There are true. There are five true top leagues in this world. They are CONCACAF nations league, 
CONCACAF Champions League, CONCACAF League, the League's Cup, and the Cayman Islands Premier League. Those are your top five leagues. <laughs> so when you're talking about the U.S. players not part not playing playing very well in your English Premier League or your Bundesliga, let's talk about real quality soccer instead of that garbage. <laughs> but thank you, Donald, for the question. Uh, next up, we've got a question from Grant Sudberg, who goes by at Goatfoot21. Um, this one came in through Twitter. Uh, is Greg Berhalter being suppressed by the U.S. Soccer Mafia? Some questionable forward options. Uh, Donald, is the U.S. Soccer Mafia suppressing Greg Berhalter? No, because here's the question for you. What was questionable about these options? I mean, Jesse Zardes was hurt last camp, but he's been scoring goals. He's in. Uh, we don't have Jordan Pifak. No, we don't have Josh Sargent. As, as Jonathan and I said, Pifak is probably the one guy that I would have brought into this camp because he has been playing well. But, I mean, you have Matthew Hoppe, you have Ricardo Pepe. Like, Pepe and, was the savior of the game. What's questionable about leaving off Josh Sargent? Like, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but, like, what's he mm-hmm. done for hit for both at a club level and for the national team in in the past six months absolutely nothing like that's not a snub like that josh Sargent missing out is not a snub daryl like, dk's and daryl dk's been injured now he did we saw him last last night he got a goal i mean from the penalty spot and he seems to be getting back to back to full health but like even then he needs time to get healthy and I will ride for my man, Paul Ariola. There are so many people who dog him and say that he has no business being on the national team. That man is on fire right now. He scored three goals and had two dimes in the last four games. And also on top of that, he is the, uh, let me check that. He is the second leading scorer of everyone on this roster and the third leading active guy in goal score. That, so everyone says, oh, he has a problem not scoring. It might be that everyone else has a problem not scoring, not him, because only persons that are active in the player pool, and I say active in the last two years, that have scored more goals than him are Jassy Zardes and Christian Pulisic. But, like, also, who else are you going to call in? Josie right. is Josie's out. You're going to call in Wando? You're going to bring back Aaron Johansson? Like, there's only so many guys who are, like, reasonable. Like, Rubio or Alan, are you Alan Gordon, back in? you cowards. What's that? The call of <laughs> Alan Gordon, you cowards. Is he still playing? I don't, he play I don't think it matters if he's still playing. He'll still go get you a goal in the 88th minute. And I, and I will say, I'm not the biggest Areola fan, but that man is made for Panama away. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of guys you can consider snubs. It's not like it's a very deep spot in the pool right now. Uh, I mean, honestly, CJ Sapong might be worthy or getting some run i mean i i it's not out of the question i mean the man's put up he's put up some goals and uh we're, we're talking about american forwards who've who've scored it's it's giassi zardes and cj sapong and this is why i look at things in windows right like we people were freaking out yesterday over rosters and what if this roster goes off and scores eight goals in three games everyone's gonna say oh there's still going to be people who say, oh, well, they didn't call the right guys. They didn't call up my man over here. They didn't call them this guy to be, you know, third string, you know, out to the side, right? But these guys can come in and score a bunch of goals. That's what they're here for. So let's see if they can do that before we start complaining that we brought up the wrong guys. Yeah. Thanks, Grant, for the question. Uh, next, we're going to move to a question. Uh, our good friend, friend of the program, Ryan McCauley, had some excellent questions for us, so we're going to try to knock out two of them. Um, shout out to my man Ronnie and Suriname with this. Uh, which government official would be most fun to see randomly insert themselves into a CCL match? I should clarify, CCL is a higher level. I feel like CONCACAF League is where you really get the value of having a government official decide, you know what, I'm just going to start up top in this continental competition uh donald who you want to see this is a great question by the way uh because this is one that requires a little bit of thinking but like and i don't know names right but it's got to be from a caribbean country it's got to be someone who is like the like assistant minister of health or something someone who has no business being on the soccer field also someone who's probably advanced right like doctor like 
in America, like, you know, Dr. Fauci's 80 and he's leading, you know, you know, all the, all the immunology type of stuff, right? It's gotta be someone who's an administrator of health, who's probably like close to 80 and is also like, yeah, I've never played soccer. I'd love to try it once. And just, you know, the president of the country of the club goes, well, you know, we have this, we have this champions league game. Why don't you just play in that? We'll just throw you in at, you know, at right back and see how you do. Like that's who it's got to be. It can't be like a, I mean, vice president is cool, but we got to go obscure. It's got to be, you know, someone that you like, like, who is this person and why is this person on a roster? And then you say, oh, come to find out his day job is working for the government. You mean like, so maybe someone like Jack Warner? <laughs> no, he sucks. Jack no, Warner sucks. Fuck, fuck that guy. <laughs> He's um, out. No, I, I mean, I was just going to say like, maybe like Bernie Sanders on the left wing. Um, <laughs> He put, now, did he would he play too far to the left for some people or I mean there would be Sorry, a lot a of people that saying bad. that he was hugging the touchline and he was way too out of far on the left. <laughs> yeah, some people but there there were a variety of ways. I feel like Donald's got the right thing. You need like the like the <laughs> I want to say like um like a Department of State type per- position. I want like the travel ministry like whoever leads travel just like going out there on the field and just talking about to all the players like yo you know you should really come out here on vacation we got some great beaches like okay so it, the the caribbean equivalent of the postmaster general that's who needs <laughs> to be at that. that like someone who you like yo who, what does this person do he doesn't work for the post office he, he's not a general but he has those titles and oh yeah he plays soccer yeah, I think it's got to be at a minnow, like it's got to be minnow level. Shadow, country. shadow undersecretary or someone a part of the shadow cabinet, <laughs> like like that's the uh, like the shadow department of sport minister or something yeah. like that. Well, you need to be at one of these smaller, one of the smaller countries that where it's like all of these players have like regular day jobs. Like, oh, that guy's a plumber. That dude runs a restaurant. He's a cook. This guy is the president of the country. You know, right? That kind of thing. Great question, Ryan. Really the kind of thing that we thrive with here. Um, he, Ryan also had another question for us. Uh, what is your dream Ocho? Balancing both the quality of play and the quality of travel experience. Um, I think I want to have Donald lead off on this because I think he's traveled the most out of all of us. Yeah, that's an interesting one because you have to, you could balance the quality of travel, but adding the quality of play is actually a really interesting dynamic and I'm going to probably, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do all eight, but I'm going to start with four. Okay. That's kind of, we can uh, like kind of go around and each yeah. like add in a country. Why don't we just do right? one each, right? We'll just kind of go around a hoarder until we pick eight. So I'll start with the well, obvious. Well, we should pick seven. Like the U.S. has to be in it because travel experience yes. is so much easier when you're not leaving the country. So yeah. that's true. I, I will I say there's a few, there's a few countries that I have, have jotted down and thought of that I want to specify the city in which the games take place as okay. well. Okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. All right. So Don, lead us off with your first country. Uh, we got to go to Arno's Val Stadium. Yes. St. Vincent. Let's and go. And the Grenadines. We've seen, I mean, look, they were, all, they, they were very close to making uh, the second round. They were threatening. And it's one of the greatest places on earth. Yeah. Simple as that. Shout out Saint Vin- shout out Vincey Heat. Um for me, since Donald literally took the country I was gonna use, um f- leaning into the quality of travel experience, I think we gotta get Canada in there. Canada's a beautiful, wonderful country. Um, very easy to get to. I don't I've never had a bad time in Toronto. You know, see this was this you was dragged me this out was... to Vancouver. I, I twist my arm, you know. This was the one that I was specifically thinking of when I was wanting to specify cities. And mm-hmm. I was wanting to specify Vancouver because mm-hmm. it is a gorgeous city with amazing food and the opportunity to not only go to games, but maybe catch a little bit of skiing. Um, there's just, I mean, you could make it like, I imagine like a, like a game, like a U.S. game in the North, like a home, a home qualifier in the Northwest. Um, you then take the train up to Vancouver um and you just you just make a whole week out of it and i think that that is uh that that really balances that out 
Yeah, so you Done. get Vancouver, Sold. Vancouver with your nice city and your skiing. You have all that stuff. I, I mean, Montreal. You have Montreal in your nightlife. Toronto. You got Toronto. Shout like, out Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> no. Windsor, Bora. Windsor <laughs> yeah. Jets. Yeah, I, I'm down with Windsor. You know, gang. gang. You want you mix some Niagara Falls in there, whatever. You know, shout out Sundowner. Buff, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is not in Canada. <laughs> that does not count. All right. Uh, did you have a country, Jonathan? I I was going to go. I was trying to decide between a few different. But I think I'm going to go Montserrat. Oh, um, yes. Th- that mm-hmm. is um, a balance. I think, Eric, you came in with the uh, the competition. Um, but Montserrat, not only for the experience of going there, uh, they got dope jerseys. Um Shout out Bolo, send us stuff. Yeah. Um, Bowl football. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm going Monster Out on that. Uh, which is great, which leads into my next team that I was going to say is my next country, Antigua and Barbuda. Why? Because to get to Montserrat, you have to go to Antigua and, and to, to do the puddle jump. And also because they have dope jerseys, also because it's a beautiful island, 1A in terms of islands in the Caribbean, and just make it happen. If we that way, it, I would also be in this scenario. I would also be president of the CONCACAF, where I would make sure that the United States has two away trips, uh, two away matches in the same window. First Antigua, then Montserrat. Okay. All right. It seems like it's falling on me to consider the quality of play and quality. I know there's quality of travel experience and we got to balance that with quality of play. So I'm going to continue to disregard the quality of play, and I'm going Cayman Islands. Yes. Um, Truman Baden will be there. I You don't got to twist my arm to get back down to the Caymans. Um, great. Just wonderful. Absolutely delightful. So throw the Caymans in there. Jonathan? So I'm going to go with a little quality of play, and I got to put Mexico in there because okay. Mexico City is – um, I know Eric, you haven't been, you haven't done Mexico city yet. I mean, yep. it is just, it is an amazing city. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the food, the culture, uh, the museums, um, everything about that city, just like how, like how big it is and like how vibrant of a city. I mean, and I would maybe even throw, if we could work in both, both Mexico city and Monterey, um, a little bit of double in there for, for both of the cities, but I just think I got, you got to throw Mexico in there. Okay. And I think I'll if we're wrap it up. All right. So I, this is the pick that I really will say combines quality of play with quality of travel. Eric just mentioned how cool the trip is. And I completely agree with it. And also we'll be able to tell you when we get to do this country in the laser focus, one of the wildest stories you will ever hear anyone tell you about a about something that happened in a foreign country. I'm talking about Panama, Panama City, to be exact. It is it combines Miami with Central American flair uh, and adds both on steroids. It's it's incredible. It's a dope place to visit, and and also their team is is pretty good. So uh, I think that is the one team that really, uh, other than Mexico, kind of combines the quality of play and the quality of travel and both are very very top notch yeah i'm not gonna disagree there my and only one that i felt got, got a snub was uh jamaica like jamaica, yeah and jamaica, jamaica was one because i feel it balances that quality of play versus uh um the travel experience as well but absolutely i mean panama city unassailable really excited to go there next week um I know Donald and I are going to be more than happy to talk about our entire experience uh, in the episode we do whenever we get back uh, from traveling. Um, All right. Great questions from Ryan. He also submitted some more that we're going to save for a future episode. So really appreciate that. Uh, Last question from Ron Dole at Ron Dole 12. Power rank the domestic beers from each of the Caribbean Central American countries. Is that like there's so many? I mean, that's like asking a, a parent to pick their favorite child. 
Like, of course you have one, but you don't want to offend the other ones by saying. Yeah, this is difficult only because there's the thing about Caribbean beers and, and Central American beers is everyone's thinking like, don't think in American terms. Don't think in German terms either. Think just great, great light beers that are meant to quench your thirst on a stupidly hot day. That's what all of these beers are. Very few of them are dark. Very few of them have hops. They are just like the hops that you would see like IPA or something like that or a pale ale. These are strictly just like, yo, I'm on a beach. Think Corona or less as far as like type of beers that we're talking about. Very, very light. And you can have 9 million of them and not get hammered in a day. Yeah. Like they're, they're beers that you're like, what would I want to drink eight of right now? Right. You know? in, in one sitting and, and yeah. still have the opportunity to like, you know, watch a soccer game. Yeah. So I, it's really hard to rank them because there are so many Caribbean nations and the, I have only had so many of the, so I'm going to give, so I'm going to start with Caribbean nations and I'm going to give a, uh, a top four. Um, well, let's just shout out our favorites just to so, get like, we don't have to do like the one to 10. We yeah. can just get like the, give the votes out, you know? Something in Carib from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Carib, yep. Uh, Skull um, from uh, St. Kitts. I'm looking at Stag, uh, also from St. Kitts. Red Stripe. I mean, that's that is always Hooray been, beer. The, yeah, Hooray <laughs> beer. I mean, it has always been one of my absolute, you know, hot days uh, out in the sun. You know, having a couple of bottles of Red Stripe is always a, a good thing. I think for me, I'm taking out all, you know, Mexico, United States, Canada, taking those out of the equation. Talk about Central America here. Shout out Molson Canadian. I was about to say that's number one. Yeah. Um, So I I think four that I really, really enjoyed um, Imperial, which you will find in Costa Rica. You also find it in El Salvador and Honduras. Um, I really enjoyed Carib. I think Carib is probably the pound for pound uh, best beer in the Caribbean. Uh, Wadadli which you will find in Antigua and Barbuda and Hyrum, which we drink billions of buckets, buckets of them, <laughs> literally buckets of them, literal buckets. Yeah. Uh, I was going to shout out. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, Hyrum, St. Vincent bless up there. Uh, also want to shout out K brew Cayman islands. Also a favorite. Um, what were we drinking in? El Salvador. I can't think of the El name. Salvador. We were drinking. It wasn't Salvavida because uh, that was Honduras. Um, yeah. El, El Salvador. Oh, now that's going to bug me because we drank oh. a bunch. We drank. We drank the bar out of them. I remember that. Yeah. No, we drank. It was a Salvavida that we drank out of the hotel bar. Pilsner. We were drinking Pilsner. Yes, Pilsner. Shout out to Pilsner. Um, El Salvador. I had buckets of those. Not literal buckets but like figurative buckets of them Mm -hmm. um pilsner was fantastic i will i will shout out this one uh this is probably the most interesting beer in the caribbean it's red stripe bold i have not seen it in jamaica that often but i have seen in jamaica where i did have a you know literal buckets of is in antigua red stripe bold think red stripe it tastes exactly like a normal red stripe would be except it's seven and a half percent so it has a lot of it has a lot of body on it. It doesn't it doesn't taste like that though. But lo and behold, if you drink a bucket of them, you will be remembering things a lot differently the rest of the day. So shout out to Red Stripe Bolt. Okay. So in conclusion, our power rankings: number one, High Rune, tied for second. Everything else we talked about. <laughs> uh, sample much- the local beers. Sample the local rums. Uh, yeah. wherever you go in these places because you will find some really amazing stuff. And if there's a Cerveceria Chapultepec oh, in God. your neck of the woods, wherever you Bless go, up. Just, just do it because yeah. everything's a dollar thirty. <laughs> you can sample a lot. I mean, that's that's the wonderful thing about the traveling and experiencing these cultures is getting to drink all of their delicious beers and noting the differences and having those beers connect to the wonderful experiences you're having. And enhancing the wonderful experiences you're having with whoever you happen to be with at any given moment. Um, so thank you, Ron, for the question. Uh, always happy to talk beers around CONCACAF on this podcast. 
So that about wraps us up with what we wanted to cover on this episode. Um, Jonathan, you want to tell everyone where you can find it? Yeah, you can, can find, find uh, you? at BroadwaySportsMedia.com uh, and then at Speedway Soccer. Uh, it was Speedway Sock on Twitter. Uh, and then you can find my personal stuff at SSB. Donald? You can find me at BlazingDW on Instagram and Twitter. And I also write and do a podcast for Stars and Stripes FC. I do want to make a quick uh, melancholy note uh, on the last podcast that I did on Stars and Stripes FC. I pay tribute to a very close friend of ours, uh, Martin Hushka, who uh, sadly passed away last week, um, has been uh, just one of the strongest kids I've ever met. So please uh, dip to the end of that episode to kind of learn more about Martin, his struggles, and how you can be a part of his com- continued inspiration that he has in all of us. So rest in peace to Martin and much love to our dear friends, uh, Robert and Amy, on their loss. Yeah, we want to send our deepest uh, love to the Hushka family. Uh, right now um, again as you should know by now you can find us at podcast on twitter your facebook your instagrams uh, make sure you give us a follow give us some feedback when we ask for listener questions because we don't have enough content on our own please engage with us we love the interaction we love the fact that you guys listen each episode seems to be bigger than the last as far as listeners so it's great to see this keeps building um and just most importantly enjoy the CONCACAF uh I know CONCACAF was on a global soccer stage recently thanks to our boys our man Ronnie in uh Suriname brought some attention to what how wonderful this our region can be um just enjoy it got World Cup qualifiers coming up it doesn't get any better than this folks um thanks for listening and we'll see you soon